Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast and Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for listening. And we are back around again. The cycle continues for Back to Tuesday. So it's time for the Top 3 Tuesday show. This is a show I've been really enjoying doing. I appreciate people checking it out. Um, basically, I started just thinking I was going to do RPG-related topics and doing Top 3s on that. Now it's just kind of morphed into talking about a bunch of different things. I really appreciate um, getting some call-ins with some ideas. Definitely helps me. And uh, also appreciate call-ins uh, just discussing the topics because it makes it really conversational and I think fun to listen to. So got a great, well, I hope I haven't recorded yet. I've got what I think is going to be a great show because it's something I really love to talk about. Our Fed Rocks Fall Everyone Dies came through, a.k.a. Darren Green, Came through with a great topic, something that I could really flap my gums about. Um, so, looking forward to getting into that. But first, I had a couple of call-ins about last week's episode, basically where I was talking about RPGs that I wish existed. I was talking about, um, you know, different movies and stuff that I think an RPG would be killer if they made it from it. And uh, so, I got a couple call-ins from uh, Free Thrall from. Uh, keep off the borderland and then i got one from uh, joe from the wheeler woe podcast so let's listen to these hey froth uh first firstly thanks for the mention secondly i was sitting there listening to you do your uh rpgs you wished you existed and i was thinking to myself i need to do one of these because someone needs to mention time bandits and then you go and mention time bandits so that's an episode I won't be doing, but I mean, I've just got to say, Time Bandits, the greatest kids movie ever made. It's, um, and it's, it's something that uh, crossed my mind when I first looked at Into the Odd, um, with the way that Bastion is set up, the setting for Into the Odd, and I instantly thought of the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness perched atop the greatest the largest hole in the universe and i just thought that would be a perfect setting for it anyway keep up the great work speak soon yo what up froth it's joe again i keep calling in because you keep talking about interesting stuff so keep it up man uh i just want to say personally i love your sunday session recaps i know you said that you know, your listens aren't so great for those episodes, but I really hope you keep them up. So, um, yeah, man, I also want to say that one of my personal favorite spells to use against players is the confusion spell. I just love the whole mechanic of them having a role to see what they do. It doesn't fully take away their agency, but it throws some chaos into the game, which I always really enjoy. I also think the idea of that Beaker Street game you were talking about sounds amazing 1980s punk detectives in london just sounds fantastic are there any detective role-playing games i can't think of any i can think of a few spy games but i can't think of any detective games so i'm about to run out of time peace out yep back-to-back call-ins uh so speaking of the water world type game i once ran an apocalypse world one shot where I used a uh, like National Oceanic Graphics Society map or whatever of what the city of Seattle would look like if all the ice caps melted. 
Uh, and it's a really cool map. I bet you can find maps for cities like that all over the world. And it was a super fun apocalypse world game. Uh, so that'd be a really fun system, I think, if you wanted to run a water world type game. All right, dude, take it easy. Peace out. All right. So first of all, thank y'all for calling in. Appreciate y'all. And uh, I forgot to mention during the intro, you know, one of the other topics was favorite spells. So when you heard Joe there talking about the confusion spell, that's what he's referring to. And um, so first of all, um, regarding time bandits, uh, free thrall, look, don't be discouraged from doing a time bandits episode. Cause I mentioned it. I would eat that up and listen to it. I'd love to hear your ideas on it. So, um, I'd love to hear what you've been thinking of doing with it. And, uh, I could listen to that all day. Um, so, and yeah, it's a great, it's just a, it's a classic. Um, if anybody out there has not seen Terry Gilliam's time bandits, I believe it came out in 1981. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, just a classic. Uh, what can you say? Um, I had been talking about, that would be the number one thing I'd like to see an RPG made, made from. Now, I saw some murmurings recently about them making some kind of series out of it, you know, new series, and my heart kind of sank because, you know, it's kind of like when they when they do Greyhawk for a new edition, you know? It's like, I kind of don't want it to get spoiled, you know? They're never going to quite capture the magic of the original. I know that's selfish, but... And, you know, maybe it'll be cool... But so many times reimaginings are just, you know, are just so bad. You know, the only one I could think of that's just popping in my head that was actually good was uh, that that update of the Evil Dead. I expected that to be terrible, and it actually ended up just a a glorious bloodbath. Um, But man, you know, there's just so many ways they could screw up time bandits. So, kind of hoping that one the funding falls through or something, but I'd love to listen to you talk about that. So, and then Joe, yeah. Confusion was one of the ones that I kind of was right there in the top three. Uh, in fact, if it wasn't for the possible die roll where they would just be standing around doing nothing, I may have put confusion in there, but certainly anything that kind of compels the players to do something and leads to fun role player, weird situations like that is, 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 is a spell I enjoy. Um, as far as Baker Street, yeah. You know, someone left a comment on the blog and said they had made a Baker Street game, like in French, for it. But then I looked at the article they linked and um, and looked at the translation, and, and maybe I just skimmed it, but it, it seemed like it was more based on a different, you know, a different Sherlock Holmes kind of property that was like the four of Baker Street or something about the, the street kids, you know, it's still set in the same time. I'll have to relook at it. I could be totally wrong, but, but yeah, this one is a, you know, comic with, uh, two punk girls that, um, especially the Sherlock Holmes, um, girl. And, uh, there, like I had mentioned, there are two kind of long storylines, I guess, done over several comics and it's, it's just excellent. So yeah, that would be a great one. And then, uh, cool hearing about your Waterworld game. You know, I still have never played, um, Apocalypse World or any of those games. I have some of them. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant of how, how they all work and everything, but, you know, whatever, you know, any system, uh, that works, works. So, um, um, like I said, a skilled GM with Waterworld, that would be awesome. So. 
All right, let's hear from Darren Green, a.k.a. Arfed, what today's topic's going to be. Hi, Arfed here. If you're going to keep doing the top three Tuesdays, then uh, I'm going to keep calling in. If it's helping you out to save you a little bit of thinking time, getting topics, then, yeah, I'm going to keep calling. Um, I like listening to some of your top threes that are not RPG-related. I like to learn a little bit about the anchorites and... uh, some of the sort of likes and dislikes and the personal stuff. So I'm going to throw um, in another film-related one, listening to your recent top three, um, a very brief mention of James Bond, and I'd like to know what are your top three James Bond films? Uh, I think the most recent ones, they're all getting very similar. They don't really stand out for me. They're all merging into one. So I prefer the older films with the real bad guys, Jaws and uh, the guy with a razor hat. I can't. Well, Arfed, first of all, it's great playing with you the other day. So it was, that was a lot of fun. And then uh, keep the top threes coming because when you sent this one in, I was definitely on fumes. So. A great question. I'm a massive, massive James Bond fan, and uh, one of the best things my dad ever did for me was introduce me to Bond films, uh, Monty Python, and Mel Brooks movies, you know? So, it's just in my blood. I grew up watching them, seeing every single one of them more than once, and yeah, you know, some of the newer ones, uh, the Daniel Craig ones, like I liked Casino Royale, and then... Uh, uh, but it was not much for Quantum of Solace. That was pretty bad. And then I thought Spectre was pretty bad. Skyfall is okay. Um, pretty good. But uh, but uh, it's a shame about the Spectre too. Because I had really high hopes for it. Because uh, Christoph Waltz, uh, who plays Blofeld in it, I thought would be really good. But uh, it just didn't... It just didn't... I don't know, kind of like the ma- maybe it's just I'm getting old or something. I don't know, but the magic—it's not as magical as it was, and it's really been di- diminishing returns and in a lot of ways since Roger Moore stopped. You know, um, I thought that maybe uh, uh, what's his name, Pierce Brosnan. You know, it seemed like on paper he might be a great fit for Bond, but those movies got so ridiculous. Like, there's that one where it ends up in an ice palace or something. It's so bad. It's terrible, terrible. Um, I guess GoldenEye was pretty good, and then the rest of those were, were not very good at all. And then, you know, I really like Timothy Dalton. You know, he's great in Flash Gordon, and uh, he's actually in Hot Fuzz. That, um, that Lear, and I know, was mentioned, really enjoying. And he's in another great... TV show, Penny Dreadful, that the wife and I really enjoyed, so it's not that I'm not a Timothy Dalton fan, it's that, you know, his Bond movies were not great, although, um, what is it, License to Kill was, you know, it was okay, just not great. Um, and then George Lazenby, you know, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, very interesting story behind that one. If you've, anybody listening has Hulu, there's a whole documentary about how Lazenby ended up almost like basically conning his way into the role of Bond for that, and then and and then ended up you know passing on or being passed for future ones. And, you know he could have, you know, that's actually a pretty good movie. You know, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is. Uh, kind of a forgotten one but it's actually 
pretty dang good when you when you watch it. But the story behind it is probably as interesting as the movie. But really, James Bond to me comes down to Sean Connery and Roger Moore. That's it. You know, I mean, I I like I like the other ones. I watch them. I'll watch. I'll go see the next Daniel Craig one, but. When you're talking about the best of the best, it's it's Sean Connery and Roger Moore. So, but that doesn't make it any easier because really all of the Sean Connery ones are great. I mean, Doctor No's great. Uh, you only um, you only live twice. Uh, Diamonds are forever is one that kind of gets panned a little bit, but I still really enjoyed it. Interestingly, one of the villains there, you know, it's got the two guys, I forget their names, Mr. Something, they address each other as Mr. Something and Mr. Something, and they're kind of creepy. One of those guys is actually Crispin Glover, you know, from Back to the Future and a bunch of other stuff. It's his dad, and you can see where he kind of got some of the weirdness from with that. But but I enjoy all the the Connery ones, even um, Never Say Never Again, you know, where they brought him out of retirement to kind of do a almost like a thunderball remake um uh which was kind of released the same summer as octopussy from uh, roger moore but i don't know i'm rambling a little bit about this but i'm what i'm getting to is that this is going to come down to sean connery and roger moore now the i, I was you know wasn't born when some of the connery ones came out so i really um mainly i mean i grew up watching both of them but the ones that i got to see in the theater aside from never say never again started with roger moore and the first one i saw in the theater was for your eyes only in 1981 so i was like six years old when i went to see that i'll never forget seeing that in the theater it was fantastic that's still a great movie um that's one of the better better bond movies uh great locations and, and and everything um but that's not going in the top three but just to kind of put it in perspective so, this was tough. The, the number one and number two were not tough, but the number three is kind of tricky. But I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about not so much trying to put myself back into the the mindset of seeing them when I first saw them and everything. And one that really captured me was the one with the with the voodoo in it. Live and let die. That's what I'm putting at number three. Roger Moore in Live and Let Die. You've got, you know, really good villains, you know, with the with the voodoo stuff going on that were really striking to me when I was younger. Um, you've got great scenes, like it's got great comedy in it, like when he, you know, he runs across the, um, runs across the, the alligators. You know, at uh, the one, I don't know, hopefully y'all have seen it. He runs, these alligators all line up perfectly and he manages to run a, run across them in one scene. But it's got got to be one of the best action sequences of all the Bond movies uh, done with these like speed boats, these boats on the, on the bayou. And that uh, that's one that I, I just remember watching that scene over and over. I had it on videotape and a young Jane Seymour you know, uh, with the tarot cards and, uh, it's just one that had all these elements, uh, all these elements really came together for that one. So, although, you know, it's hard to go against say from, from Russia with love. That's another fantastic one from Sean Connery. And, uh, 
it's really splitting hairs with some of these, but I also thought about not just what it was like when I saw them for the first time, but also what it would be like if, if you know, if so, which one came on TV on a Saturday and I was just laying around, which I would want to want to watch. So that would be one of them. All right. So for number two, we're going to Sean Connery. And of course, the, the masterpiece, Sean Connery's best, in my opinion, Goldfinger. Love Goldfinger. And Arfed, you were trying to think of the guy with a hat. That's Odd Job. Odd Job. Uh, he who crushes golf balls in one hand and uh, you know takes off the head of statues, slinging his hat around. And incidentally, that Odd Job was a huge influence on a, a first uh, Marvel superheroes character, Top Hat, who could throw his hat around and. Uh, I mean, odd job. I mean, you gotta love it. And then just that whole movie is so good. Uh, you know, pussy galore. You know, um, the the whole opening sequence where the you know he finds the girl covered in the gold paint. Um, you know, rarely you know Bond always has a chance to be suave, but you know, going and playing golf, you know, with the uh, with with Goldfinger. That's a, that's just some classic suave stuff there. And uh, it's got a scene that always sticks in my head whenever I get on an airplane. You know, at the end, the window gets blown out and everybody's floating around and, uh, you know, losing the pressure. And, you know, and then it's, he's tied to the table and he's got that laser, you know, getting ready to, you know, take his <laughs> take his manhood away and everything. Goldfinger's got it all. Um, love that movie. So Goldfinger, got to be number two. Just on Odd Job alone. I mean, come on. My number one Bond movie. You know, this is my favorite. Um, this is, a, and it's another Roger Moore, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. This is my, that's my favorite. That is just, it's so good. So good. From the beginning, you know, ski sequence, you know, going off the cliff and then having the, you know, the, the Union Jack or whatever parachute um, to the, just the locations, you know, Egypt, pyramids. And Barbara Bach, you know, the Russian spy that that's basically his equal, you know, wants to kill him because Bond had killed her lover. But, you know, by the end, they're together. You know, and Barbara Bach, uh, you know, she married Ringo Starr, <laughs> incidentally. And she was in another, you know, pretty terrible movie uh, back in the early 80s, Caveman, you know, with Ringo Starr. I don't know if uh, anybody else out there has seen Caveman, but... Uh, uh, but she's great in it. And of course, you've got uh, uh, Stormberg. Stormberg, right? God, I should have had this open. Um, I'm almost positive it's Stormberg, but I don't want to be wrong. The, uh, the villain that's actually, if you're going to, yeah. Carl Stromberg, sorry, Stromberg, not Stormberg, Stromberg, who has the, you know, the underwater Atlantis layer, you know, drop people, push a button, drop people in the shark tank. That's just a classic villain. And so, you know, parodied on the, uh, the Austin power, you know, the Austin powers movies, uh, kind of parody that. And so you got this over the top villain in Stromberg, but then you've got the classic, the classic of all classic Bond villains, Jaws. Oh, getting chased around by Jaws around the pyramids. Love it. Love it. It's also got the best, you know, I mean, I love the, who doesn't love the gadgets, especially when you're younger, you know, going to see uh, Q and 
and M and all those guys and getting your mission and then getting geared up with all the, the cool stuff and got to be the best of all the uh the car that turns in you know the lotus esprit that turns into a submarine oh that just i wanted a submarine car when i was younger watching that and i thought that would be the coolest thing ever so you know from the locations to the gadgets to it's got you know the classic cast you know classic monty penny in there classic q classic m um you know, a bond, a bond girl that actually, you know, gives him, you know, a run for his money and Barbara Bach, uh, the best villains, you know, I mean, Blofeld's the best villain, but, 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 you know, the best mastermind villain, but the best lackey villain in Jaws, it's tough toss up between Jaws and Odd Job there, but I love Jaws, you know, he was one, of, <laughs> he was one, man, I mean, that movie, those movies kept me on the edge of my seat when I was younger, you know. I mean, now you can see some camp in it, so bad it's good, but um, but then, you know, Jaws on the train and all that, that was just great. Uh, you got the underwater lair, you got the, you got, uh, I mean, the, what can I say? That's the one that, to me, stands out uh, amongst all, so many great movies. My number one Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me, so great. And so, well, first of all, appreciate you again, Arfed, for, for sending these in. But I thought I'd spin off, you know, make this a whole Bond show and spin off with a, a second top three based on this. And that's going to be my top three Bond themes. So, you know, part of what makes Bond iconic is the, is the music. I mean, it's the whole package. You know, there are several things you got to have to have a good Bond movie. You know, he's got to go get the gadgets. You know, he's got to have a larger-than-life villain. And you, you, you got to have that music dun, 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 dun. You got to have that intro where he's walking and shoots the camera. You know, you got to have all that. That's to make a great bond movie. It's got to all be in there. You got to have an awesome car and you got to have beautiful women. I mean, what, you know, call it what you will call it misogynistic, whatever, say what you will. I mean, it's, it's, it's James Bond. Um, um, and so, looking back at the music, there's just been so many great ones. And I'll go ahead and say, obviously, Shirley Bassey is going to be in here somewhere in the top three. Did, um, you know, Moonraker, um, Goldfinger, and uh, Diamonds Are Forever, all of which could be excellent. You could put all those just as your top three, and, and you'd be fine. But I'm only picking one of those. But there's so many good songs. I mean, from the Spy Who Loved Me that I already mentioned, Nobody Does It Better. Carly Simon. I mean, it's so good. For Your Eyes Only, Sheena Easton. You know, I, I, I like some Sheena Easton. There's some good old Sheena Easton songs, you know. And uh, For Your Eyes Only, Only For You. Such a good one. Y'all are getting a little treat here in Froth Sing. But then there's some, uh, you know, kind of... Um, Lesser known ones, uh, Aha did the Living Daylights, and that's not all bad. I mean, I like some Aha, you know, it's a little 80s, but you know. Um, and what's another good one? Oh, yeah, All Time High from Octopussy, Rita Coolidge. Now, some of these songs, there's actually been cover versions that are probably better than the original. And uh, English band Pulp, you know, Jarvis Cocker, did a cover of All Time High, and it's great. It's really great. It almost feels more Bond than the, 
than the original version. So, so that one's good. Um, I, I think the, the more modern ones lose something. I mean, I know the Adele one was okay, but you can't just, you know, get a popular singer and throw them in there and, and it end up a good bond thing. It's not about who does the song. It's about the quality of the song and it's got to have a little of that romance danger. And then it's got to also be a song that they can make instrumental versions of it that kind of bring in throughout the movie, you know? So these songs have to be really great and be able to be heard in different ways, not just, you know, singer, you know, straight up almost pop or whatever performance, but also be able to be woven throughout different moments, uh, whether they're action sequences or emotional moments or whatever. So the best, the, the best of the songs are, you know, incredible, incredible songs. And some of the newer ones, you know, you can't just get like, you know, garbage and then expect it to be great because it's garbage or, um, you know, the band garbage. I mean, and then you know, they had like Chris Cornell. That's like one of the worst ones. I mean, it's just, ugh, to me, it's just it's awful, awful. So that being said, it's still incredibly difficult to split it down into three. I've already mentioned a bunch of great ones, but um, for me at number three, I'm going back to, it was one of my top threes. I'm going Paul McCartney, Live and Let Die. Great song. It has so many kind of changes, you know. It has a little reggae piece in the middle sort of thing. What does it matter to you? Then it's got just a tremendous, um, you know, powerful ending, repeating the theme over and over with little flirt, you know, orchestral flourishes uh and paul mccartney i mean he's one of the greats so it's uh that's one where even like guns and roses remake of it i love it it's just a great song so i gotta put uh, live and let die from paul mccartney at number three i think most people would have probably have that in their top three somewhere number two um going with a view to a kill from the uh from the same movie uh duran duran I was a huge Duran Duran fan back in the early 80s. Um, you know, it was right at that time where MTV was, you know, at its peak, at its best. And Duran Duran really capitalized on music videos. So you look at Hungry Like the Wolf and Rio and stuff like that. They, they, they were, you know, completely masters of the, of the videos. And, uh, you know, Reflex with a big wave coming, wave of water coming down while they're in concert and stuff. It's, you know, totally fake, but, um, and then, uh, uh, save a prayer, you know, the whole, the stuff they did in the jungle. I mean, they, they practically walked right out of a James Bond movie in some of those videos, but they did a great take on, uh, a James Bond song with a view to a kill. Excellent, excellent music to where it could be used, you know, as a pop song. And then throughout the movie, and then they had a great video with it, with you know Grace Jones and everything in it. Hanging, they're all hanging around the, you know, tongue in cheek, hanging around the Eiffel Tower and everything. So that was Duran Duran, basically at their peak. And uh, so I'm going with a view to a kill at number two. Number one, you know it's going to be a Shirley Bassey song, but what's it going to be? Well, first, let's mark off songs that it's not going to be. I'm not going with Diamonds Are Forever, although that is a great song. Love Diamonds Are Forever. And uh, that's another one that's had a great cover done of it. The Arctic Monkeys, another English band. 
did a great live version of that song at Glastonbury, and that's a video you can search, just Arctic Monkeys, Diamonds Are Forever, Glastonbury, and watch them play it, and it's just, a, you can feel the electricity in the air when they start playing that. Great, great song, great performance, love it. Diamonds Are Forever, but I'm not giving it the number one slot. Now... You might expect I'm putting Goldfinger at number one, but no, I'm not going to do that. Goldfinger is unbelievably great. It's iconic. Probably most people would put it, if not in their top three, at number one. He's the man, the man with the Midas touch. So good, but I'm telling y'all, there's something magical about Moonraker. The Moonraker theme from Moonraker. Now, the movie, the movie's pretty good. Now, you... Imagine it's probably going to be super cheesy. It's definitely put out to capitalize on the success of Star Wars and everything. But it's got Jaws in it, and it's not so bad. It's not great. It's not great, but it's not so bad. It's a little ridiculous, but most Bond movies are. Where it is bad, it is kind of camp. So bad, it's good. But that song is so good. So good. And so on the Thought Eater blog, companion with this, I put up a vision, you know, the, the version, there's there's two versions in the movie. There's a, just one version where it's kind of, you know, without a lot of percussive accompaniment. And then there's also kind of comes in at the end where it's got kind of like a disco sort of thing going on. And somebody online took that disco, disco-ish version and just basically looped it, extended it. And I'm telling y'all, you can listen to it. It's like, man, the moon It's so good. And they extended it to where it's like eight minutes, and I can listen to this thing. It's one that you can put on your, put on a mix CD. Do people still make those? Put on your newfangled iPod or whatever <laughs> and listen to it. But number one, Coming out from left field, number one Bond theme. Going with Shirley Bassey's Moonraker. All right, so big thank you to RFED for making this a Bond theme episode. You can call in with some top three ideas on the Anchor app. Email me, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Thank you to my Patreons back at me, patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Gonna let you... Listen to the sweet sounds of Shirley Bassey's Moonraker on the way out. Go over to the Thought, e Thought Eater blog and check out this extended version YouTube that I posted. Logan, sorry buddy, I gotta let Bassey handle it today. <laughs>